You're listening to the Batuta Advocates Weekly News Wrap on Desert Rock FM 96.5. Hello and welcome to the Batuta Advocates Weekly News Bulletin. My name is Errol Parker and joining me here today is nobody. Yes, I'm all alone in the studio today because everyone else has gone to the Mount Isa Rodeo and I drew the shortest straw and I care about animals. So this week I'm going to do something a bit different. Uh, I'm going to basically give you an update of what's been going on around town here in Batuta and indeed our newsroom. But to kick things off, yes, as I said at the top of the bulletin, most of the newsroom is in Mount Isa this weekend for the radio. So if you're heading up there, make sure to say hi and be there for when Clancy takes on Fred Brophy's best when the sun goes down at the Fred Brophy boxing tent. It's actually a little-known fact about Clancy that following a horrific knee injury in the 1970 grand final against the Kanamala Rams, he joined Jimmy Sharman's boxing tent troupe under the name Dance and Clancy Overall and boxed some of Western Queensland's finest vagrants and overconfident jackaroos for well over a decade. So if you see Clancy in Mount Isa this weekend, make sure to wish him luck from all of us here back in Batuta. And the team will be roaming all over the rodeo all weekend, so if you're up there, you're probably going to run into him, say hi. But closer to home this week, Wendell was left rattled uh, on Wednesday after he swerved to avoid hitting an emu and put his beloved 2013 Holden Vault on its roof in the table drain outside the Lomerigan's place on Percy Grainer Drive. It was a devastating loss uh, for a lot of people in town who are, you know, fans of motor cars and for Wendell, probably most and foremost, because the Holden Vault was and still is the only Australian-made electric vehicle, and there's only a few thousand of them. And yesterday, I was out there with Wendell on Percy Grainer Drive, picking up some of the 6,000 AA batteries that spilled out of the car's boot during the accident. Yeah, look, um, at the end of the day, I'm just glad that Wendell's okay. And as some of you listening now only listen to our podcast as the only way you interact with our paper, only way you interact with our esteemed conservative Western Queensland-style journalism, you might not know that we do have a shop uh, attached to the paper. It's called Batuta Outfitters, and you can find that by going to shop.batutaadvocate.com. And this week we're having a sale on hats because winter, as a concept and a season, is now over in this country. So it's time to make sure that you're prepared for the hellish summer to come. Now is the time to buy that air purifier. The continent will be on fire again in no time. And breathing smoke is no good, within reason. Of course, there are good smokes you can you can breathe in. Bill Clinton certainly does not know about that. But, you know, if I were you, I would be buying an air purifier right now. And if you're that way inclined, now is the time to cave in to Mark Taylor's repeated demands to get air conditioning. But if you live in the real world and can't afford such witchcraft, a hat is the next best thing. So this weekend, you can get 10% off all of our uh, Batuta Advocate-style hats uh, to make sure your forehead and eye sockets don't get burned this summer. We recommend you pair those hats with sunscreen and long sleeves because getting burnt is not cool. Anything that British backpackers do is not cool. And uh, because you're coming there from the podcast, you'll have to put the code word in manually it is no hat no play in full caps no hat no play no spaces n-o-h-a-t n-o-p-l-a-y that's no hat no play 
and head over to shop.batutaadvocate.com. All right, so now I'm going to read you the three most popular articles from the Batuta Advocate this week by the metric of Facebook and Instagram likes. First up, we have a story by our cadet Wendell Hussey with the headline, Equally paid U.S. women's national team perform equally as shit as their men's team. The United States football team has today reaffirmed its commitment to gender equality by making a strong statement at the FIFA World Cup. Their women's team has this week followed in the footsteps of their male counterparts by packing their bags and exiting the tournament in the round of 16. The huge statement comes a year after the US playing group famously negotiated an equal pay agreement which saw the female players paid the same amount as the men for national duty. The outcome was achieved by both the male and the female playing groups agreeing to pull together things like World Cup prize money and dividing that pool equally amongst all the players. That landmark agreement stirred up the neckbeards and the casual misogynists who refused to acknowledge that the agreement was driven by the men's team as well as the women's team. While it continues to make people on the internet salty to this day, it was hoped by many athletes and aspiring athletes that the agreement would be replaced around the world, allowing 50% of the population a chance to play sport at a professional level. Although the activism from the US women's team has had an overwhelmingly positive impact on the sport, meaning only a handful of teams now have to crowdfund or pay their own way in a tournament that has sold nearly 2 million tickets and generated billions of views, it has unfortunately meant that the US women's team has regressed back to the quality of their men's team. After winning the last two World Cups for their nation, the unpatriotic American-hating women's team were bundled out in penalties against Sweden last week, perfectly scripted for the blokes who hate the idea of women playing sport and weren't watching anyway. Talismanic figure Megan Rapioni skied her penalty. That was despite playing like 30 minutes across the whole tournament, that was enough for people who don't watch the game but have a vested interest in it to blame her entirely for the US loss. The fallout has since been as expected, with people claiming the loss was a result of woke ideals of feminazis and man-slash-woman-haters like Raponi. Not the fact they played like the third-ranked team in a tournament where the standard of football was lifted significantly across the board. Regardless of the internet fallout, the result has been hailed as a symbolic one for equality. More to come. Oh, well, that was quite the essay from sports-loving, sports-mad Wendell Hussey. And moving on to our second most popular story this week. This one is one written by our editor Clancy Overall with the headline, I'd love to give Brophy's tent a whirl one day, says bloke who gives skate parks a wide berth. Yes, this one might be a bit autobiographical for Clancy here, but we'll jump on in and start the article. A local bloke who will cross the street to avoid a charismatic swagman reckons he'd love to jump in the Fred Brophy boxing tent. That's just one of his fifth schooner confessions anyway. Batuta Grove flight hostie Toby Milgu says the great Australian pastime of trying your luck against some of the best fighters in the bush is something that appeals to him, and given the opportunity, he'd like to partake. Toby is of course talking about the Western Queensland icon that is Fred Brophy, a man who was widely considered as the world's last tent boxing showman. Brophy continues to travel with his troop across Queensland each year, pulling into towns and setting up a tent before banging a drum asking local blokes to step right up and have a go at one of his fighters. 
The sport of tent boxing was banned in New South Wales, Victoria, Western Australia and South Australia in 1971 by the government due to health concerns, but the free state of Queensland continues in this beloved tradition. Brophy's boxing tent makes appearances at the Mount Isa Rodeo, the Birdsville Races and countless other towns and suburbs in between. He travels the country with his stable of the hardest men in the land. Very few of the citizens that step up have much luck against Brophy's fighters, whether they be ringers, miners, tradies, or road workers. However, for some ridiculous reason, an 81 kilo aviation worker sitting in the front bar of the Lord Kidman Hotel in Batuta reckons he'd like to give it a go. And Toby spoke to the advocate in the front bar of the Lord Kidman Hotel uh, this week to give us his thoughts. He said, Yeah, I'd love to give Brophy's tent a whirl. I mean, those blokes can't be that fit, can they? And then the entire front bar went quiet. You should have seen it. They were all staring at this bloke, Toby, and wondering what was the next delusional thing to come out of his mouth. And then Toby's younger brother, Clyde, who was also there, he said, mate, you give skate parks a wide berth. You get spooked by teenagers in TNs. You are not giving the brophy tent a whirl. And even the publican agreed. He said, can we get a tall glass of water and some chips over here? I'm ordering this bloke a cab home, he's pissed. Yes, and that was another delightful vignette from the front bar of the Lord Kidman Hotel, a great place to be. And finally, our third most popular article this week. And this story, written by me, Errol Parker, had the headline, Jaded, divorced, 45-year-old sales manager hates everyone and everything, except for tism. In a modern world often marked by delusionment and weariness, music has the remarkable power to ignite emotions and kindle connections. For one Batuta Heights 45-year-old manager who has weathered life storms, the music of Tism has emerged as an unexpected lifeline amidst this general discontent and cynicism. Having endured a divorce and the relentless grind of corporate life, Shearwater signage sales manager Ben Daly found himself growing increasingly jaded, harbouring a general disdain for people and the world around him. Yet, within this sea of negativity, there existed a musical beacon of light, Tism, or... This is serious, Mum. The Australian alternative rock band's irreverent and laconic lyrics, coupled with catchy tunes, provided an escape from the monotony of Ben's existence. The satirical and often tongue-in-cheek nature of their songs allowed him to channel his frustrations into a shared experience. Tracks like Greg, the stop sign, and Everyone Else Has Had More Sex Than Me resonated deeply providing an avenue to express his cynicism in a cathartic and humorous way. And while Mr. Daly's affinity for Tism might appear paradoxical, it underscores the power that music has to touch our souls in unexpected ways. As he embraced Tism's music, Mr. Daly found himself gradually opening up to new perspectives. The band's quirky and unabashed style introduced an element of playfulness into his otherwise fuck-you outlook. This transformation extended beyond his musical preferences, fostering a new sense of curiosity about the world and its inhabitants. In a world where cynicism and disenchantment can become all-consuming, Mr. Daly's unlikely alliance with Tism demonstrates that art, in its myriad forms, can challenge, provoke, and ultimately heal. His unconventional affection for Tism stands as a testament to the profound impact music can have on the human spirit, offering solace to even the most jaded of souls. More to come. And that, mercifully, 
is the end of the weekly bulletin. My name is Errol Parker. Thank you for listening. And if you liked this episode, please drop me a line at errol at batutaadvocate.com and let me know your thoughts. Until next week, hopefully I'll have some more people here.